Welcome to Real Christianity, a weekly show designed to help Christians know their Bible, defend their faith, and truly understand what it means to follow Jesus. The premise is simple. The culture is getting louder. The church is getting flashier, but few pastors are teaching on how to live a biblical life. My name is Dale Partridge, along with my incredible wife, Veronica. Join us as we start an important conversation about what it really means to be a Christian. Welcome to Real Christianity. Today we are talking about... Are you a lukewarm Christian? Yeah, so lukewarm Christianity. Today we're going to be sharing uh, the Bible's perspective. We don't want to give you our opinion on, on what it means to be lukewarm, but the Bible does talk about that. We want to share about that um, in regards to my book. Uh, but before we get started, I want to talk to you guys about reviews. Guys, we've got 4,300 reviews. Thank you. And the show continues to grow because... Um, I have to believe that the reviews have a huge impact on that because we get put in the algorithms because our show has so many reviews. And so thank you guys for leaving a review. If you have not left a review, would you be willing to do that? Just go to iTunes, just tap the stars. You don't need to write anything. But if you do write something, we will read it. Um, Also, we are having um, a Black Friday sale. And we also just have a variety of offers a handful of times per year. We're not like the big sale company um, in terms of like a nonprofit. We're just, we're here to, if we have a deal that we can offer, we want to offer it on the products that the ministry offers. Um, But uh, if you want to be notified for those deals, and I'll tell you what, on Black Friday for Ultimate Marriage, if you want to enroll in Ultimate Marriage or get, you know, the book and the study guide together, we we got a couple cool things coming up. So if you want to get notified for Black Friday and future deals, just text 4TRUTH, and that's F-O-R, TRUTH, one word, to 855-909-0913. I'm going to say it one more time. Text 4TRUTH to 855-909-0913. 855-909-0913. And we're not going to spam you. You might get a text message from us like four times a year letting you guys know if there's something that you guys uh, might want to know about. And, and there's no space in that. Yeah, four, four truth, truth all, all one word. One word yeah. So um, the last thing I'm going to talk about before we get started, and Veronica is going to introduce us here in a minute, is uh, it's the end of the year. And as a nonprofit, we are focused on finishing out the budget for the rest of this year and preparing the ministry for the objectives to to fulfill next year. And we're about $25,000 short right now of meeting our annual budget for this year. And uh, and that's with what we expect to make in um, November, December in terms of donations and product sales and such. So we have a gap to fill. And so if you guys are willing to help fill that gap. If you're a regular listener of the show, you want to give 20 bucks a month, $100 a month, a one-time gift of, you know, $100 or $500 or for those of you out there that are uh, you know, financially wealthy, would you guys consider, you know, making a 
$5,000 donation, something that might really help us close up the gap. We have lots of work to accomplish next year. And we're developing a brand new website for a Relearn Church and the ministry. We're working on the curriculum, some new books, um, the curriculum for church planting. There's just a lot going on. And um, so if you want to do that and you want to support us in our ministry efforts, uh, thank you so much. You can go to relearnchurch.org forward slash donate. And uh, we're also going to give an annual report that's coming out soon for this year, 2019, that we'll send out to all of the donors uh, if you become part of that list. Um, okay. Now we get to talk to, about things. To jump on in, huh? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we're excited to take you through episode number three on our four-part series on Dale's new book, Real Christianity. Um, if you haven't picked up a copy, you can grab yours online um, on the online store at shop.relearnchurch.org mm-hmm. or on Amazon or on Audible. Yep. But if you do order it from the website, is something that goes towards the ministry. It does. We we get we earn a little bit more uh, profit from our store than we would on Amazon. Um. Yeah. So pick up a copy if you haven't gotten it yet. Um. So in episode one, which was what two episodes ago, yep. something like that, we talked about um, biblical salvation and the authority of Scripture, which were the topics of chapters one and two in Dale's book. Mm-hmm. The last episode we talked um, on two topics of dying to self and alive in Christ, which are topics three and four, or are mm-hmm. chapters three and four yep. in your book. And then today we're going to talk about um, lukewarm Christianity, which will be chapters five and six. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of people um, wonder what lukewarm actually really means. Mm-hmm. Um, and you titled the chapter number five in your book, Do You Really Love Jesus?, here you tackle the idea of biblical love and what the Bible has to say about people who love Christ. Um, but you also touch on how not loving Christ according to the scriptures can be a manifestation of being lukewarm. Mm-hmm. So can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, so this is uh, lukewarm is is an important term to define in your life so that you can uh, stay away from it because uh, the, the 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 reality is that when you're lukewarm you don't know it um, I don't think people know like oh, I'm a lukewarm Christian mm-hmm. um, it, it's a it's a deceptive until state. it's revealed to them by the Holy Spirit exactly and um, um, so the term lukewarm it comes from Revelation 3 15 through 16 uh, where Jesus says and I'm going to read it to you here it says I know your works that you are neither hot nor cold I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And so it's it's pretty intense language there. Mm -hmm. Um, Jesus is correcting seven churches in the book of Revelation, and they have these specific issues. Um, And uh, he really ends the section with this this one line at the the bottom of each of these seven corrections. and not every one of us is a specific correction, but I'm going to label them that for just easy understanding right now. Um, but he finishes each one with, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so these are, are specific issues directed at specific churches, um, uh, but these are lessons for the universal church in principle. Mm-hmm. And so the, the he, he addresses the loveless church. He addresses the persecuted church the uh, compromising church, the corrupt church, the dead church, the faithful church, and the lukewarm church. 
And, um, and so the, the lukewarm church is the last church, and we're going to talk about what that, that idea means. And so basically the word picture in that passage of scripture that I, uh, I was reading to you in Revelation, it's showing the frustrating state of lukewarm water. Um, you know, hot water has a purpose and cold water has a purpose, but lukewarm water is kind of this attempt to be both at once. It's like, what are you? Right? It's, it's, it's just a weird thing. It, it has no loyalties. Um, it's a state of indifference. Uh, it, it's, it's idle or it's inactive. That's it's kind of what it's stating here. Um, and, and I would say that's really fascinating to note that Jesus actually shows more mercy to those who are cold than he does for those who are lukewarm. Like he's, he, he doesn't even like look at the fact what he's going to talk about, the cold people in their faith. But he, he says he's going to vomit out of his mouth the lukewarm people. And so basically Jesus is, you know, he, I would say he prefers an outright denial over half-hearted commitment. And so I want you to just hear that again, because that's an important statement. Jesus would rather have outright denial than half-hearted commitment. And that's what that verse teaches us there. And it tells us that, that, something really important about Jesus's expectation for his followers. He's, he's really looking and expecting uh, blazing hot devotion. That that's, that's the heart of what he's looking for. And that's what you get to measure yourself against. Man, am I on fire for God? Okay. But what is, what does blazing devotion actually mean? Like how is, um, how is this supposed to look in the lives of a common everyday Christian? Mm-hmm. Uh, does it mean getting involved in the church more? Does it mean studying the Bible more? Does it mean praying more? Or um, how can we be on fire for the gospel? Yeah, it's a good question because the, uh, yeah, it's a good question because how, how does this practically play out? Mm-hmm. What does it really look like to be hot or to be on fire for, for Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think blazing devotion, as I said, can be translated uh, to passionate love. Um, now we got to determine what passionate love is also. Uh, last week we talked about Jesus's statement that he repeated, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. He says it over and over and over. And, and how really the greatest way to display our love to Christ is through obedience and through keeping his commandments. And, and you're not saved by our, by our obedience. That's not what we're saying that you're saved by your obedience, but your obedience is the outpouring gratitude and evidence that you are saved. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, so I think that you translate blazing devotion to passionate love and passionate love is translated to keeping his commandments. As mm-hmm. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Hey, Dale Partridge here. I think Christians underestimate the influence the culture can have on us. I think without even noticing, many of us have traded this incredible life that God wants for us for an empty counterfeit. If you haven't realized, the church has become comfortable with things we shouldn't be comfortable with. We've normalized things in our work, our marriages, our families, and our finances that are not normal. But the question I have for you is this. What does the Bible say about what's normal? What kind of life should Christians be chasing? What if I told you that what's popular isn't superior? What if I told you that what seems smart isn't actually right? 
What if I told you that the world's view of success is actually God's definition of failure? The Bible says that the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. So what if we're doing it wrong? What if the lives of those who follow Jesus look more like the culture than like Christ? What if the life we're so desperate to have isn't something to seek after, but actually to be saved from? I answer these questions in my latest book, Saved from Success, how God can free you from culture's distortion of family, work, and the good life. It's a short, convicting, bold book. Get your copy in hardback or audiobook at relearnchurch.org forward slash success. Again, that's relearnchurch.org forward slash success. Um, yeah, so before I had a strong grip on the scriptures, there were two verses in the New Testament that kind of shook me, startled me a little bit. Um, and I think they're probably two of the most expressive passages um, in the New Testament. Um, the first passage is from Revelation, which you actually mentioned earlier about being lukewarm and, and Jesus saying, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And the second passage is in Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. And that reads, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father in heaven. My, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And at the end there, there's an exclamation point. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, exclamation point. Yeah. Um, so you've explained this passage to me before several times, um, and you give a pretty detailed answer on this passage in the book. But can you briefly explain this passage for those who may be worried or in- intimidated by it? Yeah, you're right. There's two. It, it is two very scary scriptures in the New Testament. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth if you're lukewarm. And depart from me, you who practice lawless. I never knew I you. I never knew you, yeah. And, and you're like, wow, okay. That's a side of Jesus that's not really commonly seen um, in the scriptures. And so uh, it's a frightening passage for a few reasons. It, it, um, it clarifies that calling Jesus Lord by itself isn't sufficient to save you. So that's one thing, because it says right here, uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. So, you know, that's a that's a really bold statement that you go, wow, it's not just calling Jesus Lord that is sufficient um, to, to save you. Jesus really combines that declaration of lordship with obedience. It's, it's, it's a combination of the two, which we've talked about in previous Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think even uh, episode one of this series. Okay. Uh, but he says, but he who does the will of my father in heaven, um, in combination with lordship and that obedience is, is what Jesus is looking for. But it's also concerning because apparently uh, there are people who are prophesying, who are casting out demons in Jesus's name, who are doing many wonders um, and and they're not going to heaven. Like, so that, this is like a, just like a stop you in your tracks kind of statement. You're like, oh, wow. Like I don't cast demons. It's sobering. Yeah. I don't cast demons out. And, and like, that's a really intense ministry. It sounds like mm-hmm. that you're, you're casting demons out and prophesying and doing wonders. And, and so 
basically it, it's teaching us a really important principle that I want you to grasp that spiritual uh, activity doesn't equal spiritual security. So spiritual activity, uh, whatever activity it is, it doesn't equal spiritual security. You're, you're not secure by your activity. Um, you're secure by uh, your your faith in Christ, your belief in Christ, and, and true belief in Christ, which would include lordship and obedience, and um, and the fullness and understanding of what the gospel is. That you're not a lukewarm, half-hearted, lethargic Christian, but you're on fire for Him. And so, so the the I guess the obvious question is if you if if calling Jesus Lord and doing spiritual work doesn't assure you that you know Christ, um, then what does? Because Jesus says at the end of this passage, he says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Again, exclamation point. It's, a, it's an angry statement. And so the, there's two allegations that Jesus is making against these people. The first is, I never knew you. Um, and you go, man, the prophesying, wondering, uh, casting out demon people. Jesus never knew them. Um, and then the second allegation is practicing lawlessness, that they're practicing lawlessness. So, so you got two things you got to deal with that I think will overcome the fear in your heart of going, wow, like, do I know Christ? Do I, how, how do I know if Jesus knows me and I know Jesus? Um, so the Bible's awesome and it gives us the exact answer for this. And John wrote the book of Revelation, and John also writes the exact answer for this in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 and six, three through 6, and I'll read that. He actually answers it directly. So if we're asking the question, how do you know if, you, if Jesus knows you? Well, John, 1 John 2, 3 says, Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, quote, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And who's the truth? Jesus, right? Verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him, in Christ. Verse 6, he who says he abides in him ought himself to also walk as he walked, as Jesus walked. And so, uh, this tells us a few things. You cannot know God if you do not keep his commandments. So that's one thing. You cannot know God if you don't keep his commandments. You cannot love God if you do not keep his commandments. Um, if you don't keep his commandments and you don't know God or love God, which means that you're still in sin and you're under God's wrath, you're practicing lawlessness. And so... Um, I know that there's might be a concern of going, wow, like how do I keep all of his commandments? It's not about you being self-righteous, keeping every one of his commandments. Um, no, it's about the, do you listen to the Holy Spirit as the conviction comes? The job of the Holy Spirit in your life is that when you get yourself in a situation where sin is tempting you, the Holy Spirit's job is to give you a, um, a conviction. <gasps> Don't do that. And there will always be a way out. There will always be a way out. And that's 1 Corinthians 10, 13 that Veronica is referencing there. And the Holy Spirit doesn't overtake your body and robotically move your mouth and take your hands and move. No. The job of the Holy Spirit is to convict you. 
you must cooperate, cooperate with the Spirit and choose to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the desires of your flesh. It's Galatians 5. And, and, and so keeping his commandments is really, you know, and God the Holy Spirit is in the Trinity and unified and one God with Christ. And so keeping his commandments allows you to um, just listen to the Holy Spirit, repent where you fail, but stay in communion with God. Um, it's not about, I have to keep every commandment because if I break one, then I'm not saved. That's not what we're talking about here. Your relationship is dependent on this kind of seeking to, to love him and serve him and keep his word, but you're saved by your belief in Christ. And so this idea of lawlessness, um, you know, you who practice lawlessness, First John chapter 3, just a chapter later, he actually says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So again, if you're not keeping the first one, uh, you know, if you don't know him, you don't know him because you don't keep his commandments. If you don't keep his commandments, then you don't know him. Even if you say that you know him, but you don't keep his commandments, you're a liar. Like, this is really important self-evaluation. Um, so basically, biblical Christianity implies that you are deeply devoted to Christ and his ways. And that you're, you're, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you and you're listening and you're not grieving the Holy Spirit. You're obeying and you're in relationship and, and when you're failing, you're repenting and, and you're seeking the word and, and you're, you know, just think about a relationship with like a child. You know, you're, you're, you're a child and you're trying to keep a relationship with your father. Are you trying to serve him and serve your dad or mother in a way that, that honors them and you're trying you're, you're really working to, to be in relationship with them. You're not rebellious and, and autonomous and independent and walking in your own way and your own will, but you've literally sacrificed everything to your Lord. You're, you're asking almost permission for everything you do uh, in that way. And, um, and we got to remember that the Holy Spirit, as I said earlier, quickens your body, your your mortal body, your flesh, to actually, we have a we have an advantage as Christians. The Holy Spirit is like renewing and regenerating us. And Romans eight eleven, I'll close with this. Says, um, but if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Now, there's some connection to resurrection there, but also. Like, we can, we have power in us. God lives in you as a Christian. Just remembering that is important. So um, hopefully that answers the questions. It was a, a quick little overview of chapters five and six. So there's eight chapters. You guys can see the book if you're looking at this on the YouTube video. Um, it's a short, small little book. You guys, again, can get that at uh, shop.relearnchurch.org. And, oh, and we have the study guide. And so I developed this study guide. It's, uh, it's kind of fun. It's like 50 or 60 pages or something. And it's, uh, you can see it right here if you're watching the video also. And it's for individuals or small groups. And a lot of people have bought it so far. If you go to our store, um, you, can, uh, 
you know, it'll automatically ask you if you want to add it to your cart so that you can get the study guide as well. But, you know, if you want to go deeper, because the book's short, it's only going to take you like an hour and 20 minutes to read, hour and a half to read, and then you do the study guide together, I think it can take you a little bit, a little bit deeper. Um, last thing. We, as you guys know, we've been doing um, the Real Christianity resources, and these are higher thinking resources, theologically speaking, so that, guys, we, we don't want to get pulled into the just the run-a-mill everyday Christian books that like are like a conveyor belt of midway thinking of the Christian faith. Uh, there, there is higher thinking of great saints. In fact, most of them are already dead. Um, these two that I'm about to show you are. And um, so I'll, I'll pull up these books real quick and talk about them for a second. So there's, there's two books I want to share with you guys. And uh, this is uh, Abraham Kuyper. Um, it's spelled K-U-Y-P-E-R. Um, this book is really beautiful. It's called Honey from a Rock. It's pretty much the size of a doorstop. It's massive. Um, and it's you can Veron- actually use it as a doorstop. It's Veronica's favorite book. It I'm, is. I'm kidding. She, this, is, this is really heavy theology, but this is... It's daily devotions from Young Kuiper, and I'm assuming that this stuff is probably written when he was about my age. Um, and this is from um, uh, this is first published in the late 1800s, and he's just a really fascinating thinker on theology. And it's really good to expand our mind and realize that man, there was some really great thinking in like the 15, 16, 17, and 1800s. And um, that seems to have been diminishing as time goes on. Um, and these are, again, from Lexham Press, L-E-X-H-A-M Press. And they just have a good variety of books. Um, this one is, you guys know that uh, I mentioned a couple shows ago that I'm not a Calvinist. Um, but I, I really appreciate a lot of... Um, you know, Calvinistic doctrine or reformed dogmatics and reformed can mean a variety of things. But, uh, this guy right here, this is again, uh, you know, late 1800s, um, uh, Gerhardus Voss, he, he did a whole series called reformed dogmatics and there's some really awesome stuff here. If you're looking to study topical, this is number five of a five-part series, and this is um, Ecclesiology, the Means of Grace, and Eschatology. And so there's there's some on the church, there's some on uh, on Christology, who Christ is, um, there's some on Sabbath. There, there's really cool topics that you get a really deep theological understanding. So uh, if you want to learn more and just start picking up some more theologically stout and dense resources. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that I read. And so if you know if you want to go deeper, you can. Uh, just go to Lexham Press, L-E-X-H-A-M, LexhamPress.com forward slash Real Christianity. They get 30% off on all the books that are there. And they have a variety of stuff in the store. Um, you could also pick up all those things as well on Amazon. So on that note, why don't you say something? See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Veronica and her her introvertness. She loves that. Um, all right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you guys uh, next Wednesday for the last session. Yeah. Last episode in this series. In this series. All right, guys. Take care. See ya.
Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode. We wanted to quickly tell you about our six-week online marriage mentor program at our companion ministry, ultimatemarriage.com. Yeah, Dale and I designed a powerful biblical curriculum with six themes, one for each week. Here's how it works. Every seven days, Dale and I release a 45-minute video lesson on that week's theme, plus a weekly marriage challenge PDF for you and your spouse to incorporate those teachings directly into your marriage. Yeah, it's an incredible program where we cover everything from sex and money to children and biblical roles. But more than that, it's also an incredible community. You'll have access to our private online group and the Ultimate Marriage text message line where Veronica and I can send our regular encouragements and wisdom straight to your phone. The catch is this. We try to limit the number of couples in the program at one time to assure a quality and intimate experience. So if you're interested in joining the program, enroll now at ultimatemarriage.com. Again, that's ultimatemarriage.com. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Real Christianity. Real Christianity is an audio ministry of relearnchurch.org. If you'd like more information on how to live out a biblical life, relearnchurch.org hosts a variety of articles, podcasts, sermons, and videos to support your journey. Real Christianity is a 100% listener-supported ministry, and if you'd like to support our efforts, simply click the Donate tab at relearnchurch.org. You can also connect with both Veronica and I on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for daily lessons and Bible teachings. Thank you for being with us today. We hope to see you next Wednesday for another episode of Real Christianity.